Welcome once again to Oakwood Connect. This is Pastor Ariel, and this is a spiritual resource that um, we're trying to create so that we as a church can stay connected spiritually in between services of the church. And we pray that this will be a tremendous blessing as we go into episode number two. And uh, I am so happy that I'm not recording this by myself. I'm thankful that my brother John has been willing to be a part of this. Uh, welcome, John. Hello. Thank you. Um, I'm happy because also this is someone else that we can bounce ideas from. And uh, John, last time we were here, we began with Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And we were able to you know, develop and expand the thought of when Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And now we're going to go into the second one in verse 4 where um, Jesus uh, continues a very unexpected sequence of teachings. We would not have expected him to go this route, but um, maybe we can make some sense out of this. Um, would you like to read Matthew 5 verse 4? Sure. It says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. All right. So, um, blessed is you know a good thing. Yes. But uh, maybe for our, our listeners that are not quite familiar with some religious language or words, um, we use that word blessed frequently when someone sneezes, right? <laughs> right? So does blessed mean I hope you don't have a viral infection? I hope you don't get, you know, pulmonary, you know, whatever. What does blessed mean, John? What, are, what does that word convey? You know, I guess, you know, in the, uh, in what we're reading here, blessed it means um, you when you come to Christ, when you come to God. There's these, there's blessings. There's these things that um, that happen when you come to Christ that you wouldn't necessarily experience without mm. coming to Christ first. And so, in my opinion, that's what blessed means here. That you know there are these. I don't like to use the word reward because it almost sounds like, oh, we're just going to Christ because he's got all the candy, the you know, right. But uh, there, nonetheless, Scripture does tell us that there is there are blessings yes. that come. It makes sense because I've heard people say, you know, God bless you, you know, or in journeys, you know, when someone's going to be traveling, you know, God's blessings on you. And though we may not verbalize it, what we imply is, I hope the trip goes good for you. Right. So blessings are good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's good. Right. Um, I know that... Um, when I took um, some classes, some of the things that I still remember, <laughs> the few things that I still remember from seminary, <laughs> my professor would be heartbroken to hear that. <laughs> um, I, that word for me was powerful. That is actually, in the simplest terms, it means happy. Mm. Happy. Um, so happy are those that are mourning. That makes total sense, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> Clear as mud. How, how, how is that possible? Uh, explain that. I mean, how can you be good? You know, it's good that you're mourning. You're happy if you're mourning. How, what is Jesus trying to say with something that, you know, at face value just seems to contradict itself? Right, and I think that's a great question because usually when you hear this verse, if you're not inside church often, where do you usually hear this verse? You usually hear it at a funeral, yep. right? <laughs> yep. So here's a, gr- a a crowd of people, and and you know a, a person stands up and says, "Blessed are those who mourn." And in that in that realm, it just seemed you know again not growing up in church. When I heard that, it's that sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, here you're telling these. And really what you're telling the people is uh, you should be happy that your loved one just died. That's really the <laughs> yeah. sentence you just said without saying it. And so for me, it was always that never made sense to me. And in particular, 
here, when we read what you know the the beatitudes here, and, and Christ says, "Blessed are those who mourn." And, and again, I think when we hear that word "mourn," that's the, right where we go is to death. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really makes no sense here because Christ is saying to those that are there, this group that has gathered, uh, those of you who just lost somebody. In case you're out there, uh, you should be happy about that. So it really doesn't make sense here. So and, and I'm glad it, you're emphasizing that. It's not Jesus saying, "Blessed are those who are sad." Right. Um, he uses he chose he chooses the word mourn, which has the only time you're going to mourn, which is a sadness, mm-hmm. but it's a sadness over death. Mm. So he he does choose a word that you could say has the strongest attachment to the strongest sadness we could experience in in, in our human experience. So, yeah, the definition of mourn is, you know, deep sorrow, deep grief. So, yeah, that's exactly when you would feel that, right, is at that time. But then, again, in this, where we're at here, does that really make sense? Is Is that really what Jesus is talking about? You know, again, there's this whole multitude, and he's, and he's saying, hey, congrats, someone you love just, just died, right? So there has to be something else to that. And again, you know, it says, blessed are those who mourn. And, it's, and then it, there's comfort with it as well. And so what is he talking about? And really, you know, as we talked about last week and as we look at this, blessed are those who mourn over something that... Um, has kept them away from Christ because again this is a group of people they're first looking at uh, first hearing this for the first time and uh, there's something that has kept them away from Christ and what is you know what is the thing that keeps us away from God what is the thing that keeps us away from uh, from perfection the one thing that comes to mind to your question and this is shooting from the hip excuse me um, there's a passage in Isaiah that says, uh, is it Jeremiah, that your sins have separated you from your God. Exactly. So what separates us from the Genesis chapter 3 has been sin. Right. Is that is that That's exactly it, right? That is the the thing that keeps us away from the, you know, the perfect love of God. It is it's it's sin. You know, um we're we're told through scripture that, you know, God cannot um dwell with that he can't Mm. dwell with sin but that doesn't mean he can't dwell with us because he made a way right and that is christ christ is that way but uh it says you know again going back to the sin part that they mourn over sin and again when we look at the uh the beatitudes there's always this negative it seems like you know blessed are the poor in spirit those who mourn those who are hungry you know all of these things and it doesn't sound like something you want to sign up for, does it? You know, Christianity and following Christ. And But, excuse me, there is this, again, he, he's pointing these things out, and he's also the solution to them as well. Mm. And so, here you have this, this sin thing. And, you know, people don't, I think as human beings, we don't like to think about that we might be sinful, right? Um Christianity, we we deal with this. We we know that we're sinful. We know that we need help. But I, you know, thinking outside of the church, when you hear about sin, well, those who don't come to church don't really think about sins necessarily. But I would argue that yes, we all do deal with this. Have you ever had? If you're outside of the church, are there things in your life that? Um, that you might consider maybe mistakes instead mm. of sins. 
right? And if you you know if you really think about those those mistakes in your life, chances are they fall into the category of their sins. You know what you're. Your, your thought process is triggered for me a, a verse um, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says Paul says um, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins mm. so it, it, there is this cohesion now in scripture and it, it starts to make sense why Jesus would use this um, connection you know you're blessed when you recognize that there's something dead inside of you exactly right and sin is the reason why there's something dead inside of you because mm-hmm. the people that paul was were writing to when he says you were dead in trespasses and sins are alive and they were physically alive but dead in trespasses and sins but they didn't know it and right in this in the first um episode that we recorded the blessed are the poor in spirit is the the recognition of spiritual poverty Mm. but jesus doesn't say you're not just broke spiritually actually you're dead and so the situation becomes you know i could deal with being broke but not dead right Right. exactly (laughs) um where do i go from there and so jesus is trying to gradually get us to recognize the the seriousness of our problems uh without the solution Right. So I, I appreciate what you're saying because, you know, to call something a mistake is very different than to call something a sin. Mm. Sin is not simply a mistake. Sin is something that um, destroys me from the life source, which leaves me dead. And so right. it makes sense why Jesus would use the word that we attach to a funeral. You know, that it's, my, it's me. I'm, I'm the person that is dead right now. Mm. Mm. So, so again, you can see how... Uh, you would be mourning yeah over that right um so again so really what jesus is pointing out and 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 again in my opinion is that what is the roadblock then who what what keeps us away from from god what does keep us away from god and it is sin yeah but ultimately who chooses that Mm. and this is where I think this is why uh, Christianity is rejected a lot of times because eventually we have to find we have to come to the the realization that we are part of the problem that we're the biggest maybe the biggest part of the problem I guess and you know again humanity doesn't want to admit that we don't want to admit that we're that we're broken or that we play a part in keeping us away from God. You know, again, we want to be told we're good and stay in our sins as opposed to, you know, admitting that we might have a problem. You know, you made me think of an excuse that's, you know, decades old, the devil made me do it, Mm -hmm. but it seems like we've morphed that to sin made me do it. It's not even, yeah, sin made me do it, or you're right that, uh, uh, you know, the devil made me do it, but even more so now is, uh, what what I come across a lot now is, um, well, I'm good enough. Mm. That, that, That theology, quote unquote, of well, I'm good. I'm, I'm a good I'm, corpse. I'm, yeah, I'm a good corpse, right? <laughs> I <think> I, <laughs> I'm good enough, and yeah, and and so that so we don't admit that we have a problem. We're good enough, you know. Mm. We 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 go and we take care of our kids, and uh, we go work and put our time in there, and so I'm good enough. I I don't, I don't hurt anybody else. I'm just hurting myself. That kind of uh, you know, thought. We we have a sensor in our home um, <clears throat> for radon 
I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know about that until, you know, and my wife didn't either because the countries we come from, there's no basements. Okay. But when we moved to Pennsylvania, I remember hearing commercials and having documentaries on radon gas and how you should have a, a sensor in your basement if you if you know that in the community sometimes that might be a problem because radon gas you don't smell it you don't hear it you don't see it you, you can't pick it up with your senses like you know propane you can kind of whiff take mm -hmm. a whiff at it um, but radon will kill you right mm -hmm. and so individuals may have uh, um, in Pennsylvania they would have you know their basements redone with carpet and make it into like an entertainment center and then they would find that some family member died because they were, you know, watching movies and they fell asleep and the next morning, boom. Mm. So um, that's made me think of what you're saying, I'm good enough. The reality is that you and I cannot even recognize the sin problem unless exactly. God points it out for us. Exactly. Which now, is why Jesus is saying these things. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and we live in a world now that takes it a step further. They say, you know, love yourself and... Um, you know, uh, there's no need to fix the problem. There is no problem. You the solution is within you. Yeah, the solution's within you. You don't, yeah, you don't think of those things as being, you know, uh, sins or, or mistakes or any of those things. But yeah, take it a step further. You just just keep going. Just keep trucking with the, with the same thing. Learn nothing ultimately, you know. And so, yeah, you're right. I mean, you don't even, God's pointing it out. Yes, there is this problem. The world's telling you not even to look that way at all. At I'm thinking point. about some of the, even the cartoons, you know, that our kids see or that are, they're being bombarded to watch. Um, and you know the, the solution always comes to the hero you know it the strength was within yourself all right. along mm -hmm. and you knew how to overcome this challenge all along you just had to discover it within you mm -hmm. and Jesus is saying all you will find within you is death and more death and more death and until you until you yield to that conviction of revelation there really is no way to comfort you. Right, right, exactly. Um, and I, I mean, I shared with you this uh, verse when we were discussing about the, today's episode of John 16. You know, when you, when you highlighted the, the comfort part, you know, we, we, we have God trying to convict us of the part that leads us to mourning our sin. We were dead in trespasses and sin. And then when you highlighted the word comfort immediately, you know, I thought about John 16, uh, verse 7 and 8. Um, I'm going to read it. It says, um, But I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8. And he, the Comforter, when he comes, he will... This is how we get comforted. <laughs> right. He will convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. <laughs> yeah, that again, doesn't comforting. sound very good, does it? Yeah, he won't tell us that whether tomorrow, today is sunny and the, sunny and the birds will, will sing for you. Um, the comfort that the comforter starts us off with is convicting us of sin. Right. That's beautiful. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. Yet, you, you, um, you are touching on a very sensitive nerve in our society in that the mastermind our adversary is you know pr making us more prone to or prejudiced to resisting this conviction because jesus didn't say that the holy spirit would come and put us in a headlock right. you know it's convicting us mm -hmm. which means that there's a, there's a reasoning god is an intelligent being mm -hmm. and he made it, it it made us into intelligent beings and the holy spirit convicting us is not the holy spirit trying to shame us or the holy spirit you know just trying to bring up all our dirty laundry 
what the Holy Spirit is trying to convict us of is there's there's a need of a solution that is not superficial in your life. Exactly. Right. The, the solution that you need goes deep into the core of who you are as a person, mm -hmm. and the problem is sin. Right. The the problem is sin, and and like you're you know again it's the 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 cliche of you can't fix a problem if you don't know you have one in the first place, and that's that's exactly what he does. He you know he convicts you of that sin, and you know the I, again I think the hardest part for us as humans is it's uh, it's okay to have a flaw right it's okay to have this flaw and again it it goes beyond that it's it's more than a flaw but we try to cover that up with our own fig leaves if you will we, we constantly are trying to cover that up i was just thinking about that john so let, let's you know someone is listening to this and mm -hmm. they're realizing whoa you know i get it Oh, that's what I've been trying. That's what God has been trying to show me when I'm, there's this unease inside of me. There's this now discomfort. I'm doing things that in the past I did and they didn't bother me, but now I do them and there's mm -hmm. this little, I don't know, ugh, inside of me. Um, so does that mean then that the Holy Spirit has been convicting me of sin and now I need to do good stuff to kind of make up for it? Is well, that's just it, right? You got you to gotta do more works, more and more is works. Is that how we solve the problem? No, not at all. And, and you know, that's, uh, I think that's the biggest uh, pet peeve of mine when, when dealing with, uh, you know, when you're doing Bible studies with people and or just talking about religion as a whole. The, the, the concept is we go to church to learn how to be good. That's that's the concept out there. And that's not the case at all. Really, the reason we come to church is because to have a relationship with Christ, right? That's that's what he's asking for here. Um, that's what God has always asked for. He wants to dwell with us. He wants to be with us. Now, hopefully, you have good fruits because of that. But that's not why we come here. The, the world has this this conception that we don't know how to be good on our own, like like they know how to be good on their own. Jesus is a better life coach. Right, exactly. He's just he's a life coach, right. But that's we know to be nice to people. We know you probably shouldn't kick puppies, right? <laughs> but uh we know all those things too. But the difference is is we want to have a relationship with this the solution, if you will, the solution to the problem. So um So, so what would you what yeah. would you say is um the solution, obviously, because um, that's our temptation. And I think that's why Jesus does, doesn't simply say, blessed are those who mourn, because they will fix the problem. You know, but he adds the word, they shall be comforted, which, you know, I think does provide a link to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins with a conviction of sin, but followed up by a conviction of not tools for you to be a better person. The second thing that the Holy Spirit convicts you of is righteousness, which right. for me is intriguing. He begins convicting us of something we have, and then convicts us of something we don't have. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's being offered to mm -hmm. us as a gift by faith. Right. And the, the gift of righteousness by faith, um, John, I don't know if you want to develop that a little bit, but I believe that is the key component of comforting. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it is, and that's a whole study all on its own, yeah. right? Um, but, and I'm glad you brought me back on track because, it, it, no, we don't, now we can do all these good works on our own, but that's, we miss this key element of of righteousness, right? Of Christ, uh, a lot of times. So no, you can't just keep doing works. You know, basically a religion of works, 
And and as Adventists, we get a little scared when we get down this avenue too, because did did John just say we don't have to do any works? No, I didn't say that. Our works, but we we often put the cart before the horse, right? Mm-hmm. We the the heart change has to be there in order for those works to make sense, because otherwise, once again, we can fall into the trap of just trying to work our way. To Christ as opposed to having Christ do the work in us which is what he's asking for here mm. and that's righteousness but again that's a whole nother you know hour of you know I, 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 there's a extremely practical heart teaching in the word the way Jesus worded this mm-hmm. you know when my parents first came to the US we were dirt 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 poor to the point where for several months we needed assistance from other churches or the denominations bringing food to our house and it was extremely humbling and embarrassing for my parents painfully embarrassing because my parents always worked for what they had mm-hmm. so to, mm-hmm. to receive these acts of charities was extremely humbling but at the same time we, re- we recognized we have no other options if, if these people don't bring food for us we're going to starve right so that recognition made us extremely appreciative and grateful because we were poor and here our needs are being met and i'm thinking jesus is starting with something that you know blessed are the poor and then going into dead mm-hmm. but now you're going to be made alive again so i'm thinking if being poor and someone meeting my needs causes a you know 70 percent level of gratitude how much gratitude and love would I experience in my heart when I recognized that I was dead in trespasses and sins, but now through Christ, through this gift of God, I am now alive. Amen. And, and you use a key word that's not easy for any of us, and that's humility. Right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, to be humble enough to to accept that the free gift that Christ offers, it's it's not easy for us as as you know again humanity. We're yes, just, it's so hard for us to accept that. So. Yeah, you're right. It, 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 you know, how much more uh, can you love someone, you know, or God who has given everything? Yes. Because right? that's, I think, the key. Jesus says, if you love me, right, you will keep my commandments. That's the, the horse that pulls the cart right exactly. there is love. Mm-hmm. Um, until I recognize my deadness, I cannot love God. Right. That That is the, the economy of, of grace in that... Um, the works that you're speaking of that makes people uneasy should make people feel uneasy if there hasn't been an awareness of the deadness inside of me. Exactly. exactly. Um, so it is, I guess, I guess now it makes sense what Jesus says. You should be happy when you recognize this. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you should be happy about it. And it also puts you once again in that, that state of humility that now Christ can work with you. You know, again, if we go back to the times when Christ said this, the popular religion of the time, they thought, you know, the, the heads of, of the religion thought they didn't they didn't need anything. They were rich and, in, you know, in need of nothing. They had a bloodline that kept them, um, that, that saved them, so to speak. So it's interesting. You're talking about that. And I think about the parable of Jesus with those two men that go to church. Mm hmm. The second guy, he is confessing his sins. Right. The second guy doesn't confess a thing. And he is actually thankful 
That he's not. That he's not like one of them. Thank right? you that I am not dead. Thank you that I'm not poor in spirit. And Jesus is saying, ay, ay, ay. Right. You know, how can I help you? How can you deal with that? Exactly. <laughs> so our greatest enemy is our prideful self. Right. Our, our, our ability to convince ourselves that spiritually I'm okay because I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so that brings us to, you know, Christ. So now we're, we're being comforted by that. Well, you know, how can... So, so you, you've admitted that you need Christ. Mm-hmm. He can work with that. And now that's, that's where the comfort comes in. And mm-hmm. so, so now this, this, you know, this verse should make a little more sense to us that, you know, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Because, you know, again, if you're mourning over your sins, if you have great grief over your sins, Christ can work with that. Now, you know, now again, you're in that state of humility to where now you can be worked with. You make me think of one of the first promises that I memorized um, early on in my journey back into the church and into a heart conversion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 1 John 1 9. I'm sure you're familiar with that verse that says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous or just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting how, you know, it doesn't say to forgive us of sins and to cleanse us from all our sins. There's a synonym there. Sins and unrighteousness are the same thing. So if God is going to remove the unrighteous, He doesn't leave a vacuum. He fills it with the righteousness of Jesus. So confessing my deadness is not the worst thing that could happen to me. No, It's not admitting it, not owning it. Jesus says here, if you want to be forgiven, you have to confess it. And you can only confess what you own. And here, I'm, I'm owning it. Right. I'm yielding to the conviction, that, that initial conviction that the Holy Spirit brings to me, sin. The first thing that the Holy Spirit will convict me of is sin. Not because God wants to shame me or embarrass me or drag my face in the ground. Is This is the, rea- the reality of my experience. I'm already there. Right. God hasn't placed me there. God is trying to get me out of that condition into the blessed experience of being comforted that just as strongly as the Holy Spirit can convict me of sin, just as strongly the Holy Spirit will convict me, you've been forgiven. Amen. Amen. And, you know, not to end on a on the on the negative, but the flip side of that is people have rejected God, has reje- they've rejected Christianity for the hope of peace, right? Mm-hmm. I don't so that way I don't have to feel guilty. And so you keep going down that road, and what, and that leads to death ultimately, right? Where, as you just pointed out, if you do confess, if you do say, "Yeah, I, you know, again, I, I, I have this problem," the peace that everybody's looking for is in that. Mm-hmm. There's the peace that everybody's looking for. We have a, you know, multi-billion-dollar um, industry out there trying to give people peace all the time. Meanwhile, Christ has offered it with the free gift. Of- Amen. And these, these Beatitudes, we, we have, we're just starting to scratch the surface. Mm-hmm. We do want to uh, appeal to you. You know, you may not be realizing that it's God um, trying to convict you of sin because it, it doesn't feel comfortable. And just like Jacob, that night of wrestling, mm-hmm. when God came near to offer the solution, he thought it was the enemy. Right. And there may be people out there listening, thinking, this must be the enemy, this must be Satan, Mm. when actually it's the Holy Spirit trying to make you aware of a deep need in your heart. But God is awesome. He doesn't just show you what's broken and dead. 
he offers life Amen. he offers healing and restoration so i pray that these uh, episodes will provide encouragement for you church member and anyone else that is listening if the conviction of sin is not the worst thing that you could experience resisting is yield to that conviction confess it the promise is you will be forgiven amen